Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome to the second episode of the Espionage Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Tom Lovejoy. I got Cozian. I got Bert. Y'all say what's up. Hey. So, if uh, you made it through the ungodly two hours of E3 from the last episode, uh, thanks for coming back. This is the you first one. You made it through the first five minutes. Do honestly, yeah, because I I went I I listened to it all today, and. Uh, I was like, I would definitely be interested in this if it wasn't me. If this yeah. wasn't something I was close to, I would be interested <laughs> in this. But there were some times where I was just like, wow, these are these are unintelligent, gutter, <laughs> gutter humans speaking right now. Subhuman. Yeah, straight up. Yeah. But, so what's everyone uh, been playing the last, uh, it's been about a week since we talked, right? Mm-hmm. Cool. So what's, what's everyone been doing game-wise the last week? Hosian, you go first. Okay, um... Hmm. So pretty much, I have been nonstop uh, into Smash, um, like hardcore lately. Um, Getting ready for tour. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I just been grinding away, playing online, playing friends, uh, trying to get better, and trying to like, like actually meet people and maybe do like a community thing. Um, me and my coworkers started playing, and we started talking about how like maybe we can start like a Smash group here locally because. That's just one of the good ways to get better. So I've just been diving in, and um, I'm in another Discord now uh, where uh, um, a friend of mine named Spanos. He has a he has like a Twitch, and he's a he's got a Discord with like over I don't know, I want to say like around 200 members. So like I've been in there just like hitting random people up, like asking for matches or joining people's arenas and stuff, trying to get better. Um, trying to take I'm, I'm I'm diving into like the serious lane in Smash now. And uh, mm-hmm. besides that, um, pretty much, I think I'm just playing uh, Yakuza Zero, and not as much as I want to because once you get Smash Bug, it's like everything else takes like a big backseat. Oh yeah, for sure. Isn't that crazy? How like the Discord platform has brought so many crazy like communities together just because of its ease of access. Because yeah, there's, there's message boards all over the internet of people like posting topics. Hey, like trying to get a group going here, trying to group going here. I don't know what it is about Discord, but like when I started uh, getting into speed running Hollow Knight, mm-hmm. they, I joined a Discord for it where they were like, hey, if you have any questions, join our Discord. There's like 5,000 people in there, and it's extremely active two or three years after its release. And that's with so many games, so many games. Yeah, it, it, I, it's, I been, really... it's been it's been it's been awesome. Oh, sorry, Tom. No, you're good. Go for it. I'm pretty sure I had something stupid. Oh no, I was just saying that like it is it's it makes me like more excited when I'm not playing Smash to play Smash because I'm like, oh man, like I wonder who I can fight today or I wonder what I can do today. It's like something it 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 kind of like makes up for the the fact that I don't really know many people here that play Smash like the in the same like way that i like to play or whatever so i can go there and there's usually always somebody down to play too which is cool yeah for yeah. sure are you uh joke are, are you using joker at all or piranha plant have you tried using those no um joker is awesome though like i mess around a little bit um i could see myself getting into him a little bit later when i'm like comfortable with what who i'm using now but um I pretty much stick to Snake when I'm playing like true competitively, and then yeah, yeah. I'm messing around with Luigi. Uh, picked up Donkey Kong, and I'm kind of like scouting like Peach 
right now too. So I'm just kind of messing around. But uh, when it comes to Smash, you know I like to play like that. Like I, I use Snake. Oh yeah, for sure. I just didn't know if you were wanting to branch out or try the like seriously try the new characters at all. I mean, I I, I know for a fact that when Dragon Quest and uh, Banjo Kazooie come out, like I'm going to be definitely using them pretty hard. For sure. I just like the way like I don't know how they play, but based off the videos and stuff, I was like, okay, this is sick. Yeah. I'm super excited to try Banjo. Um, Bert, what have you been doing? Probably Apex, asshole to Apex. Yeah, but um, it's in where Danielle and I have been in between trips. So, like, it's the it's Steam sales going on right now, and I've been looking forward to this for a long time because this year there's so many crazy-ass indie games that have come out, and um, I was just like, I'm not going to play them all in a week. It's going to take me months and months and months, so I figured I'd wait a little while and get them all on sale. So I picked up like $150 worth of games. So sick. I got uh, both Bloodstains. I'm really excited to try that out for all the Castlevania fans out there. Yeah, that looks awesome. Ritual of the Night got insane fucking reviews, so I'm really excited to try it. I got Fury. Um, I've got Katana Zero, the published by Devolver Digital that just came out, I want to say, back in April Mm -hmm. or even this month. I'm not sure. Just recently. I got this one game, Ringa, one, one Finger Death Punch 2, which looked like a crazy, like, rhythm beat-em-up game or whatever. It's like you just got to, like, push a bunch of fucking different buttons on the keyboard. Or it's like duh, two different buttons, and then people are coming at you from really different sides. It looks like such a weird gimmick, but the reviews were outstanding. And usually on Steam, like, if there's the, the overwhelmingly positive, you know, uh, tag on it, that's usually a pretty solid game, and I think it was like five bucks, so I picked that up. As far as what I've been playing, yeah, Apex Season 2 drops tomorrow. I'm really excited for that because uh, the ranked mode comes out uh, tomorrow, ranked uh, with Season 2. They're doing something I don't think I've ever seen in a video game before, the way they're scoring these ranked matches. Um, and y'all can tell me if y'all have seen something similar, but what's crazy is that so when you look at it initially, you know, there's bronze, silver, gold, platinum, diamond, and predator. Those are the leader. Those are the, you know, uh, leaderboards or those are the rankings you can make. Um, so when you look at this, it's kind of like Overwatch or League. It looks like something you can derank and rank up and all that stuff. But then at first glance, it almost looks like it's like, okay, here's how you can gain points. For every kill, you get one RP. If you get in the top 10, fifth, or third, you get different RP. If you win, you get 12, stuff like that. So I'm like, okay, well, how the hell do you lose RP? Or do you just climb and climb and climb based on how much RP you get? So, Which is cool because in a game like Apex that's so hard to win, it's a battle royale so hard to, you know, you don't 99 fucking people or however many in there aren't winning every game. So what happens to all these people that aren't winning every single game? Are they just all going to be bronze? No. So um, you you get, based on its stacks, like its addition, for every RP you get, it adds up, and if you get a certain amount, you go up to the next level, which is really wild because the the caveat to it is in bronze at the lowest level, it's free. It's uh, you don't you, to jo- you can just join a match and nothing happens, like you don't lose anything. When you get in the silver, it costs one RP to play a game. And obviously, like, if you just run out of RP, you go back down to bronze. And then two RP at gold, three RP, and it goes up and up to fifth, five RP at predator mode. So you're going to be having to do some really serious shit very consecutively to stay high ranked. I don't think I've ever seen that before because most games are just based off wins. So 
I uh, I praise the living shit out of Respawn for coming up with a system like that because I'm really excited to see how it works. I think I I've seen other games where like the ranking system isn't based purely just off like your win loss or you know like I think Overwatch is a good example where uh, since there's so many characters where like your KD doesn't really matter so much in the game because you have healing characters and things like that. Right. But I don't think I've ever heard of seen anything where you're using like where like your ranking system also goes into like a currency kind of situation like that that you uh-huh. have to use um, and put on the line and gamble like that. So I think that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And and respawn acknowledged that they were like we don't want to we didn't want to leave the um, we didn't want to leave all the points earned in kills because so many supporting characters and stuff like that. And I actually tweeted at Respawn and Apex earlier because this is my problem with that. You've got... Okay, so you either place top 10, 5th, or 3rd, or win, or you get kills. But I've gone matches where I get 2,000 damage, and I only have 3 kills, but my teammates have 7 to 10 with only 300 damage because they got the last hit. So now we're talking about kill stealing. I haven't cared about kill stealing since Halo 2. Like... You watch, like, you, you grow a certain way to understand that assists and damage dealt are more important than anything. Fuck, in Smash Brothers, you know, you go play Smash with a lot of people, and everybody's like, oh, I got, like, ten uh, executions or ten knockouts or whatever. But then you're like, yeah, but you had, like, a hundred damage. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're looking at other people out there that are, like, you know, seven, eight hundred and whatnot. So, uh, I, I was like, hey... Why not make a tier where you earn a point or two for every 500 damage, for every 1,000 damage, for every 1,500? And it would just make so much more sense and make people want to do damage instead of trying to maybe wait a second and get that last hit on this guy so I get a point now, you know? I don't down in rank. It's just, it's almost promoting kill stealing, and I don't like that, and I hope they grow from that, and I hope thousands of other people, you know, kind of tweet them and let them know that because, you know, that's the voice of video games now is the online bitching, griping, complaining. Yeah. So that's Apex. That's what's going on with Apex now. I'm obviously playing with that. Um, I haven't gotten two other games in the Steam sale that I bought, except last night I did a stream till like 5 a.m. of Katana Zero. I played it from beginning to end. The game took like, I want to say it took me six to eight hours to beat completely. And um, that was one of the most phenomenal games I have played in years. Hands down, the most complete and put-together game I've played this year. Uh, and, like, Sekiro came out this year, and that was outstanding. That was extremely well done. But I still had some gripes, com- complaints about that, and there's definitely some holes. And Katana Zero, I mean, the game, was, <coughs> the amount of character it had, like, the game got really fucked up. Like, you, you befriend this little girl, and at one point you see, like, the guy's got, like, PTSD from the war that happened, like, a long time ago that they start uncovering in the story. And he's on, like, medication and stuff. It, it was very, uh, what was the game, with the movie with Jason Statham where he has to, like, crank? Yeah. Was it crank? Yeah. yeah. Where he his adrenaline has to stay up or else he dies. Yeah. Well, in Katana Zero, like, it, there was also some Metal Gear Solid vibes, some Metal Gear Solid vibes for it. Basically, there were these super soldiers created uh, with a certain drug and... Um, if that drug ran out, like they kept having to go see this therapist and go see this person when they went and got missions and the therapist would give them their drug and then send them on a mission. But if they stopped getting the drug, they basically, they didn't die, but time just stopped for them. It was really weird how they uh, described it. And like, they were just in this eternal existence of just blankness and a crazy fucking game. So 
the way it unfolds, the way you start to learn that it, this is all because of them and these people aren't your enemies, and then you start turning on the government, crazy fucking game. And mm-hmm. it was done with such fucking heart and such, like, if you're listening to this, Katana Zero, it's like $15, 10 bucks on Steam sale. The sickest game, extra, huge Battletoads vibes. They pulled inspirations from Battletoads. Probably going to be man. better than the actual Battletoads game. Uh, I don't know, man. Double Dragon was one of the best games of my fucking childhood. Because co-op. That, the Double Dragon co-op. Because well, Dra- Battletoads was fucking hard. And they had a lot of uh, really fun mechanics where they'd switch it back and forth with the little pod racer things. Mm-hmm. We'd have to be, like, kicking fucking toads off and stuff. I love that shit. So, um, insanely well done game. So, that's, that's what I finished. And uh, I'll probably start on... I am Pedro tonight because, uh, like we talked about that a second ago, that looks like a really fun one. Um, almost like a trials slash Deadpool simulator. Um, crazy shit. Yeah. That game looks awesome too. That, Oh dude, that Battletoads game, that new one, it straight up looks like new grounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I was talking uh, about that. Like, probably. Like, oh, really oh, my fault. That. I thought I was going, I was throwing it back to like Sega Genesis. And shit. No, like, Oh, the old Battletoads is like, it's a classic game. That's an incredible game. But right. the new Battletoads, like obviously yeah. I don't know anything about what the gameplay will be like, but just the look and vibe of it. Yeah. Looks... We can say it looks like turd. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, it, it looks like really. it is. Yeah. Um, but cool. Uh, what you for, got, me, Tom? for me, I've basically just switch shit. Um, I'm still diving into Breath of the Wild and actually like making myself like that game. Um, I haven't really like, progressed in the story that much, but just running around trying to like unlock everything on the map, you know, hit as many shrines as I can and everything. And I'm I'm enjoying that game a lot more than I ever thought I would because normally open world, like very non-linear open world stuff, is mm-hmm. not my vibe at all. Really, but um, that and then as far as like indie stuff, I'm still playing Crypt of the Necro Dancer. It's really really fun and really really fucking hard hell yeah it looks um, awesome it's awesome i want to get through it so i can like justify moving on to a cadence of hyrule at some point um but yeah this game's great uh, there's five zones in the game and i'm still stuck on zone two just because there's so there's there's so many different enemies where all their patterns are very very different you have to figure out the best way to attack each one and all this and that blah 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 but that's pretty much it for me. I haven't really had time to play anything else. I played uh, Tetris 99 for like an hour last night and just got fucking infuriated because I used to be at a point where I could get into the top 10 no matter what yeah. easily every time in that game, and now I'm really just hitting it probably like 30 at yeah. best, and uh, we, that, that's fucking infuriating. We talked about that on Apex because when Apex first came out, my buddies and I, we were getting like three to five wins a night. You know, It was pretty fucking easy in the top two or three every every couple of games now it's pretty fucking difficult like it's getting a lot harder and it just i feel like it just comes down to that casual market like leaving the game and then you have left or the hardcore people that actually excelled at it and now they're much more prominent in the game because firefights are much harder like you actually have to think and shoot a lot smarter than you did before when you could just steamroll people yeah yeah but uh, I think, I yeah, I'm gonna definitely check out that Cadence of Hyrule game at some point. Yeah, it's I think it's it's a hard sell for some people because it's a $25 game that if you know what you're doing, I think you can get through the whole thing mm-hmm. in probably two hours, start to finish. If like or like if it's like your third or fourth playthrough, but um, it still seems cool to me. It seems good. I think like 
I think I said on the last episode, but because of the, for both games, the procedural generation for all the different levels and everything, I think there's enough variation there to where it's worth the price. Like, I bought, I bought Crypt of the Necrodancer for, for five bucks, but if I had spent shit, the it 20... is $3 right now on Steam Dude, sale. you should get it. It's sick, I'm, I'm buying honestly. it right now. But go ahead, um, what you were saying? No, but yeah, but if I had spent the $20 that it actually cost um, on it, I think I still would have been just as satisfied with it. Yeah. Right. Cool. But, cool. Well, if that's what we've had going on then, I think we should move on to today's big topic. So what we wanted to really hammer out today was maybe not just individual games, but games or franchises that were all super important to us, either when we were younger or even recent games that had either just an impact, the kind of impact where, like, that was just, like, super fun, um, really helped me, like, you know, get over, like, wind down, get over the bullshit of my day, or things that were impactful to you on, like, a bigger life level. Like, I know that people, like, we're, we're all music people, so people talk about all the time, like, you know, like, this band changed my life, this this record changed my life, this and that. And I think for some people it sounds weird if you apply that same kind of thinking to video games. If you're like, well, this game really changed the way I think about stuff. But, I mean, there's there are games from even when I was just young and playing, like, Sega Genesis that I go back and play now that I realize, like, oh, how I did things in this game kind of shaped little small idiosyncrasies about my life and everything. So I think Definitely. that can happen on, like, big and small levels for you. So I think we all just want to each hit on a, a couple of different things. So I think the best, we all picked three games or franchises, and I think we can each uh, do one, move to the next guy, he does one, move to the next guy, and just go like that until we get through everybody. How's that sound? Let's do it. Sick. Um, I guess I'll go first on this one. Okay. And I had to sit for a minute and really think about the stuff that really mattered to me because when I was – at first, I was like, oh, it'll just be all the games I was nostalgic about when I was a kid. But I didn't have that much in the way of video games and consoles when I was younger. Like, my parents would buy me and my brother a console. We'd get, like, three or four games for it, and then that was basically it. We never really got more. So I didn't get to experience a lot of stuff um, up until, like, the GameCube era. At the GameCube era, that's when I'm like, oh, now I'm, like, a gamer gamer. Or I'm actually getting a decent amount of stuff. So a lot of my stuff is actually a little more recent, but... uh. In that light, I think a big one for me is the Arkham games. And Mm -hmm. at first I was like, I feel like it's kind of whack to say that these fucking like weird Batman games are like top tier things for me. But I think about it, every Batman, every one of the Arkham games, including Origins, which is kind of weird and shitty. um, I got it, played through the entire thing in a a day. Uh, I know it's lame to sit here and be like, it makes you feel like Batman, but <laughs> at that point, they're like every other superhero game. Like, I love comic books. I love superheroes. So I really wanted something like that in my life. And every other superhero game, besides maybe Spider Man 2 and Ultimate Spider Man, didn't really sell their characters to you at all. It didn't really make you. It, it just seemed like you'd be playing like either like, like on the. Like, like a, a random fighter with like these comic characters pasted into it, or like a beat 'em up with like you know Superman yeah, or this the X Men pasted totally into it. Definitely. And in th- this game, these games actually feel like they were tailored to like they took the character and they figured and they thought, how do we build mechanics around this character instead of taking a set of mechanics and just throwing these characters on top of it? Especially, I think with Arkham City, with the whole idea, like the whole like true 
insane open world um, where you can even even though the one thing that kind of bites ass about that game is yo you're in this big city you're you're this you're that but there's nothing really going on there's no, there's not really it's a pretty empty open world honestly and all the games are kind of empty empty open worlds but I think it still fits within like the oh this still makes sense though no yeah I mean there's there's story reasons for why but in Arkham Origins. The big story reason for why the city is empty is they're like, oh, it was too snowy, so they evacuated everyone because there was too much snow. So out of everything that happens in Gotham, the snow is what finally. It's the fucking snow. Like when the (laughs) fuck does that has that ever happened on the fucking planet anyway? Because Gotham is like basically New York, and so when do you think about New York getting evacuated because there's a fucking foot of snow on the ground? It doesn't happen. There's Killer Croc. There's the Joker. There's Scarecrow. There's Mister Freeze. Whatever. We'll we'll stay. This is snows. It's like okay, let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah, but I don't know. I think those like those really gave me like hope for the superhero genre in general. Even though besides Spider Man, there's been a bunch of pretty any other superhero games come out have been pretty whack and weak. But every one of those games, those are always day one buys for me. I'll stay. I'll stay up playing for fourteen hours, get through the whole thing, do it until my eyes are starting to bleed. I don't care. Right. I love every single one of them, and I've played all of them. Really multiple fun times. games to hundred percent. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever hundred like percented any of them though. Every piece of content uh, Arkham Asylum. Is, that was the only yeah, one I hundred percented. It just it feels like every piece of content. It's not like collecting a hundred hidden packages or three hundred jump orbs and Crackdown and GTA. Um, it feels fun. Like it feels like a fresh mission every time. Maybe not every time, but enough to justify pushing, enjoying hundred percenting them. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Yeah, um, I think that's all I, I got on that one. So let's go. Let's go, Hosian. Hit me with something. Okay. Um, as far as I would say, something that like stuck with me from way back then up until now, and I still think about it on a daily basis is, and people that follow like espionage, like the store and everything, will know that my favorite game of all time is Metal Gear Solid. Well, the franchise. Um, and, uh, yeah, I would say that that was one of those... You know, it wasn't my first game or anything. My first video game was, was Spyro, um, as far as, like, something that actually belonged to me personally after, like, Christmas or whatever. But when I played Metal Gear Solid, I think it was up until the third game when I realized, oh, like, you can have... Like, like, this hit me. Like, this... You can have, like, a favorite game ever. Um or favorite game series ever. When I finally played Metal Gear Solid 3, um, I don't even remember how old I was, but uh, I was in middle school, I think. Yeah, because uh, I had borrowed it from a from a friend. Um, I was like, I've never played anything like this. I don't understand it at the same time. Um, the mechanics are weird. Like, uh, It's like a... I, I just, I, at that age, I just didn't get it. Um, like I didn't know anything like this game, so uh, um, yeah, that was that game kind of like changed my like life. I know it sounds corny or weird to say, but um, no, not at all. Yeah, it, it's like that's, damn, that's like why we're here. Like when I played that, as it, uh, I remember pausing the game and just like going through um, like snakes camos and and all my items and seeing like oh what camo is good here, what's good here, like changing different things about like, your character. Um, and I, but what about it changed what part of your life or you like, what, a, 
What about the game made what part of you? I guess I guess what the 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 weird like thing that like had to do with my growing up is like damn like I've never at up until that point I never like felt like I cared about a video game character and was like a real life thing. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how like, old were you at this point? I want to say 12 or 13. Damn, maybe okay. maybe 12, maybe 12. Gotcha. Um I was like and it's just weird. Like I think that that moment affected me all the way till now because I still think about Metal Gear Solid on a daily basis and the characters. And it's like, damn, like it might. As a kid, I just didn't know anything like that. So I was, was like, yeah, I was just this- a fucking loser or something, dude. I was like three, age three, running around like wanting to be Link and like wanting to dress up as Link for Halloween. Like three years <laughs> old and like why. Why did y'all get into it so late? Like, am I just a fucking? No, well, no, I, I guess because I... I guess for me because like I didn't know if I could be Spyro. <laughs> I was like, I could. Yeah, that that leads down a weird road. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I was a very like, specific. I, type I was of like, person. I was. I mean, before before that, before the Metal Gear uh-huh. thing hit me, I was like, I'm a hedgehog. Oh, honestly, same. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. like. <laughs> For me, I, I was going to bring, um, like, Sonic up later, but Sonic is definitely one of those things for me where, like, Bert, you talk about when you were younger, like, I want, like, Link being the thing that, like, that you play pretend as, you know, and uh, Sonic yeah. was definitely that for me. I wish that when I was younger that I could have, like, dove into games. I wanted to. I just, like, you know, you're a kid. You don't have the money. You don't control the money. Right. And yeah. I would go, and, like, my parents would always be like, I'd be like, let's go to the store for video games my parents were like well this is a looking trip this isn't going to be a buying yeah, trip like but when's the next buying trip going to be and uh, they wouldn't say anything getting, but like, by so saying nothing they were actually shit. saying they were never going to take me on a buying trip ever again <laughs> yeah I, I guess like the, the best way to like explain it is like when i was growing up younger than when i discovered like that metal gear solid did that to me i was just like i like luigi because i just use him in the game or i like tails or spyro blah blah, blah but not like, much thought behind but like it, yeah. w- w- as a kid you're just like i like him mario woohoo but like when i played metal Gear solid 3 and i beat it i was just like oh this is like another thing this There's is not so much just more like depth. a mario looks cool i like him it was like <laughs> yeah there was like something that there was something that like reacted in me where i was like well, Why there was there was depth to it. There was something guy. for you to relate to. Mario, it's like he's a plumber. He's got a princess, I guess. You know. Yeah, I think that's the actual <laughs> difference. Yeah, so. There's Metal Gear has an actual story. Like you, like no, not no, insulting I, the plumbers I, who thought Mario was their fucking hero and stuff. Just yeah. I don't know. Mario yeah, Mario was one of my heroes, and the last thing I ever wanted to do was pull shit out of a toilet. So yeah, man, but he yeah. couldn't escape that painting. Well, Luigi no, had to come in and save his ass. <laughs> I'm explaining it like like a little like terribly and everything, but th- that no that's no you're doing no you're, no, you're, exa- I, I, you're answering exactly I get we both we all get it like your your point is yeah. definitely made like yeah uh, and it's true there's so much more depth and emotion behind a character like Snake and behind a game like Metal Gear Solid that I get it I was just a fucking loser that wanted to be Link you know I mean, that's the thing is also like Metal Gear is like I think for a lot of people Metal Gear is one of the first games that they probably played where. The store, where like the, the gameplay essentially takes a backseat to the story, right? As yeah. to where like every yeah, other game that narrative. every other game that you play when you're a kid, um, either there is no st- like the story isn't there at all, but every everything else takes a backseat to the mechanics of the game and for the game to just be fun and this and that. Um, and Metal Gear is something that like 
where there's stuff you think about afterwards. Like when you play all these like colorful like mascot platformers and stuff yep. like that, you don't finish put the controller down, sit there, and then have like questions like how did this happen or how did like how do you, you're not trying you to go explain to the library twist and in get your a head. book on the Cold War? Yeah, <laughs> like Metal Gear can actually lead you down like a whole different other path of like get of like being interested in mil in the military or just it's like sci-fi stories and things like that. It is provocative. Yeah. It was just that it was just that moment. Like when I was sitting in my I know I have it in my head still. I was playing the game, sitting when on the you floor open the on locker my... and you see the woman on the inside. <laughs> um, yeah. um, I, I see Rykov, Rykov naked inside the uh, <laughs> locker room. But um it was that moment I was sitting on the ground and I was playing on my combo VHS CRT TV and nice. I and I and I just remember pausing the game, being like, "Holy shit! Like, this is like this is more than just like I like this game a lot. This is like my life is changed." And and moving forward, that's kind of how. Like I always played games and thought about like Metal Gear while playing said game, being like, "Oh, this is cool. This reminds me of Metal Gear." Or this is like, "Oh, this character is like this." Or this is. I'd always go I, back to Metal Gear. I think everyone has something like that where you're like, like whatever your interest is, whether it be movies games music whatever like there's there's like everyone has their own personal like gold standard that you compare everything else to yeah mm-hmm. and i get i think for you it definitely makes sense why it would be metal gear, metal gear it's definitely interesting to me that your first i think for a lot of other people their first game that does something like that to them ends up being like an, an rpg instead right. um and for me it well my, my brother like my brother my brother was like more into that and and stuff like that and 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 I, I think another reason why it was metal gear for me is because that was also one of the first games where i wasn't following my brother's footsteps in the game like he's older than me so I, like i would piggyback off of whatever he likes yeah and metal gear way. was metal gear was one of those first games even when i saw the first one even when i was younger than when i played three that game always i always saw it and i was always in my own head alone thinking about that game. I never talked about it with anyone. I always saw my friend's dad play that game. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I would never talk about it. So when I finally borrowed Metal Gear Solid 3, and I had to sneak it from my parents because they weren't, like, having, like, they were they, they were weird about let it, like me borrowing games from people for some reason. So I borrowed it. And, and that was just, like, my secret, my thing, my thing. Like, and I was like, this is mine now. Like, and now I can tell my brother about this. Now my brother is a huge Metal Gear fan now because I kind of put it on to him. So it was one of those, it was, like, a change in many ways in just, like, playing a game, you know? For sure. But, right, yeah, Bart, that, that, what about you? Oh, okay. I guess since we're all starting, like, retro in a way, uh, well, you did the Arkham I'm anyway, super not retro. Yeah, no, no, not at all. Um... I guess because I was talking about it so much, Legend of Zelda series is hands down, like, the most, um, that started it for me. Like, as old as I can remember, uh, I was born in Ethel, Louisiana, middle of nowhere, miles from fucking anybody or anything big. So, we were given a, me and Pat, like, as long as I, as far back as I can remember, we had a Super Nintendo and a Link to the Past. And to this day, I think that's one of the most complete and pound for pound greatest video games ever made. And I can I can play that game every day. Like I can I'll never put it down. Mm-hmm. When I was in Afghanistan, like I got a his my buddy had it on his phone, and I just borrowed it from my buddy, and I'd beat it in a day, and just do that anytime I got really bored with anything. That's but, so um, sick. So the Legend of Zelda series, like that, I've I've I'm, I've always been a kid. 
I'm a 30 year old man. I've done like a lot of shit in my life, traveled the world, uh, and I'm still a fucking kid. Uh, I'm still really like childish in my mannerisms. I'm still, I still, you know, sit on video games as much as I can. I'd still rather be playing video games while other shit's going on. And I owe it all, or I blame it all on Legend of Zelda. And, uh, like that, that, that series is just, it's, it's, it's a lot of series. You can look at Halo and you can look at so many other things that have like, I've been, has been a part of my life for so long and that have really gone down the fucking drain because of various differences or various things, various developer problems and stuff. Legend of Zelda somehow, like, even when it seemed it was getting, you know, I liked Skyward Sword. I liked Twilight Princess, but they, there was certain things that it almost seemed like they were sacrificing and they knew Hey, we've got to do something, and in comes Breath of the Wild that I still question to this day. Is is that my fucking favorite game I've ever played? Like, is that seriously the best game I've ever played, the funnest experience I've had? I I was in awe at every second of playing that game, and I can and I can talk about the discrepancies. Yeah, the dungeons, the bosses, the enemies in the game that Zelda is so known for and so notorious for. Yeah, they they fucking shit the bed on that. There was only one bad guy in the dungeons, you know? The boss, it was the same boss the whole fucking time. <laughs> um, but on top of that, the rest of the game was so fucking outstanding. Okay, there was four dungeons. Well, there was 120 shrines with all these crazy mini-games and different stuff you could do. And the game was fucking hard. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, there wasn't potions everywhere. I didn't get my first rupee till like three hours into the game playing. I was like, where the fuck are the rupees at? Usually I can just cut a bush up and get 40 of them or something, but that that series is like is i mean that's why i'm here that's why i am who i am yeah i'm always and, interested um, that's when people's favorite like they're they played zelda so early on because i did not uh grow up with like a 64 yeah. or a super nintendo or anything so i'm always like oh yeah like that makes sense like like that those games were existing like pretty hard back mm -hmm. then and people that like created like a big obsession it was it's cool to like hear when people oh, yeah. say that kind of stuff and, yeah. and I, it definitely wasn't the first either. It came, like, way before that. There was people, like, knocking them out. Um, and, like, that's... That game, like, my imagination, my humor... Maybe not my humor. I probably have to thank C. Martin Croker for that one. But mm -hmm. um, the everything else, like that's that's why I am who I am, and it's 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 started. That makes with sense as to why you wear. That makes sense as to why you wear Link's outfit every day in real life. Yeah, yeah. I'm wearing it right now. Well, just the top. I actually am naked on the bottom. So, I love this. <laughs> I always wish that I had. Like, Danielle grown hates up... it. Oh my god! I, I always wish that I had grown up with Zelda because my first Zelda game was actually it was the Master Quest version of uh, oh, yeah. Ocarina of Time because it was a pre-order bonus yep. for uh, for Wind Waker. Yeah, and the and the GameCube was like the first system that was mine. Yeah, um, and. I didn't have to share with Not people. Shared, which was but, important. We talked and about I, and I would try, but I never got through that. I never got through the Wind Waker, and I always, and I think it was just. Oh man, it was so good. I don't. Really Wind Waker is actually why. my favorite Zelda game. I wanted to bring that up before I was done. So. And I'm not saying y'all interrupted me or anything. That sounded kind of abrasive, but ah, another part of the Legend of Zelda that meant so much to me was 2003, um, 2002, 2003 E3 demo. Legend of Zelda Wind Waker, before it was Wind Waker, it was just Legend of Zelda. They came out with a working title. Not a working title. It was a tech demo. 
you know, you you can't tell twelve year old Bert what a tech demo is when he just saw the greatest trailer he's ever seen. Oh, so you talking about the one of, of Ganon and Link fighting? Yes, yes. We're coming off of Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, one of the some of the best games ever made. But like back then, like you know, three sixty to Xbox One, PS three to PS four, it wasn't a big deal. It's not a big deal. But dude, the N sixty four to the GameCube, the PS one to the PS two, that graphical leap was insane. Like I remember seeing. Um, the on the GameCube, there was a screenshot of Mario in Smash Brothers, and you could see like dirt on his overalls. You you never saw that. Like that magic is very rare nowadays. You got to start looking into VR for different stuff. But like the back then, like that was literally magical. You were like, holy fuck, you were freaking out about dirt on some fucking overalls, you know? So, um, you you got this tech demo that Nintendo shows off at E3. It's a very hyper realistic looking Link fighting Ganon, and it was in fucking sane. It looked crazy. You know, it looked like something you'd see like nowadays as gameplay maybe. And so they they leave it at that. They just kind of don't say anything about it. And then a year later, they show off Wind Waker at uh the uh the game GDC or something, some kind of game show. And um, you got Wind Waker. So you go from that, now you have Wind Waker. I was destroyed. Like, I was trying to look it up. I was like, is this a joke? Like, where's where's this? Where's the realistic one? Why are we getting this cartoony bullshit? I, I will never forget the picture of Link, like, jumping, and you just see his face, like, smiling as he jumps up. And I was like, I wanted to strangle him. I wanted to strangle the person that came up with the cell-shaded design. I was like, <laughs> what the fuck did y'all do? What happened? Did you want to strangle? Did you remember the uh, remember the same thing happened with uh, with like the Nintendo Revolution like Zelda game? It was like Link was in that crazy like church thing, and the spider came out, and it looked insane, like realistic. The the well. April Fool's joke? No, no, it was like it was like what Breath of the Wild ended up being. I think there was like, or maybe it was Skyward Sword. I don't. It was like back in the Wii days, like when the Wii was first announced. I was in middle school, and that there was like this trailer where. It looked I insane. Vaguely, yeah, I vaguely remember what you're talking about. Because I don't remember the Wind Waker thing. I remember that. The, ne- yeah. the next one, everyone was like, oh, this next game doesn't look anything like the uh-huh. Zelda game that was supposed to be. But, you know, that always yeah. happens. Right. So I'll look that up after this. But basically what that Wind Waker deal showed me, and that it taught me one of the greatest lessons I ever learned. Like, I can have my reservations about something, but try it, you know, if – you know, don't count it out and don't say it's fucked until you legitimately try it. Unless it just has every sign in the world of being completely fucked. But cause I, okay, I get wind waker and is one of the best Zeldas ever created. Like it is insanely well put together game. And, um, yeah, you just have to understand that, you know, trust, you know, trust somebody trust. Yeah. Which is still a fucking huge problem that I have. I don't really trust any developer these days mm-hmm. except for from software. But, um, you just you can't look at that and be like oh it's total bullshit and that's what a lot of people are still doing nowadays with halo and when they don't show gameplay at e3 everybody's all fuck 343 i can't believe they fucking did dude just just wait wait until the wait until the food comes out and then you can tell the chef how big of a piece of shit he is or you might enjoy it but that's mine i think it's a great lesson cool so keep going i guess um for me it actually kind of goes in kind of similar areas to what, Bert, what you're talking about. Um, would be, so like the Mario franchise in general, but specifically stuff with uh, 3D Marios. Like I've always, 
Trudy Mario always mattered to me. I think uh, Mario was the first game I ever played back on just the regular Nintendo. Um, and I actually found I found that the other day, and it brought it back, brought back all these like you know like latent like four year old memories that I had of grinding through that with my brother and everything, and that was like one of the ways that we really bonded when we were younger. And my dad loved it and this and that. I think it's the only game I can ever really remember him playing. But I kind of I didn't you know I didn't have a Super Nintendo, so I never really got to play any of those games. And then I remember playing Mario sixty four with my uh, my like childhood best friend Patrick, who lived down the street from me, and he was the one that always had all of, like the games that mattered. So you know, I would go to his house to play Final Fantasy VII with him, or I go to his house, and he was the one that showed me Metal Gear, or he showed me Ocarina of Time for the first time, um, and things like that. But he had Mario sixty four, and I didn't really know because I wasn't keep obviously I wasn't keeping up with like games news at this point in my life. I didn't really know. That they that Mario had had games in between the Nintendo and the N sixty four, let alone that they had made a complete dimensional leap into three D, and that was like a really like just insane uh, realization for me. Yeah. But so I I loved Mario sixty four, and I still love Mario sixty four. I think as far as games from that generation, it's one of the things that holds up the best out of everything, everything, especially platformers, but just games in general from the PlayStation and N64 generation. It's one of the top-tier ones. Oh, um, yeah. Mario 64, like, pretty much, like, changed the way people approach making 3D games. Yeah. It's it's the blueprint for 3D yeah. gaming, especially for the 3D platformer. But then, so I was, when I got my GameCube, the thing I was so excited about was eventually there will be a 3D Mario for this game. And they announced Sunshine. I was so excited for it. You know, I pre-ordered it. I remember crying my eyes out because my GameStop got the uh, their copies a day late, and so I had to wait an extra day to play it. And I remember, like, I just I think I, I threw like a fucking tantrum to my mother, like, "Where's my Where's my Mario game? You don't love me." This and that, all this crap, this this whole crock of shit. Didn't that happen with uh? Didn't that happen? To, didn't that happen to you with Odyssey as well? No, because when Odyssey came out, uh, I was on tour and I just I was in New York and I just walked like four miles to some like to some place where I was like, "Yo, this guy just steals these games and then sells them. This is not a real story." Oh, <laughs> I don't. You're like, I don't care. I need the game now. No, I was like, I don't care. He get and he, I'm pretty sure I paid like seventy dollars for the game, but I was like, I don't give a shit. Whatever. I, <laughs> I, I had planned to walk to uh to the Nintendo store, but it would have oh, no joke yeah. taken me seven hours. <laughs> So I was like, I'm no, not I doing feel this it. shit. I feel but, it. but I was so excited for for not Odyssey, but for for Sunshine. And then, Bert, what you were talking about with like how like, you know, you need to trust, like, just learn to trust the developers. This and that. Oh yeah, that's another this, example. Exactly. This, well, to a degree, yeah. But this is also the game that's like maybe you shouldn't always trust them, because <laughs> I love that game. I love the look the environment i love the first like half of the game and then it really grinds it grinds really fucking hard to get all to get all of the shine sprites yeah doing like the blue coin challenges and the red coins it's just fucking like it's so fucking tedious the mission where you have where you're yoshi and you have to yoshi can't go in the water in this game and he also has to constantly eat fucking fruit 
to be able to stay alive. Otherwise, he just literally dissolves into heaven. And you, there's a Jealous. long mission where you just literally it takes ten minutes where you from where you get Yoshi to where you hop onto a boat, you ride this fucking boat for five minutes. You have to jump off the boat, sit on a platform where there's one watermelon that you can eat to like re-up your Yoshi, wait for the boat to come back, ride the boat again, all without ever falling into the water, and it's just, like, random crocs of shit like that. And it was the thing that made me be like, oh, wow, like... Like, there's a... After that game, there's a reason why there weren't any more sandbox adventure-style Mario games up until Odyssey. Because they... As much as I love that game and would love for a remaster and would love for a sequel that has the same kind of environments and everything, it did not go the way it was supposed to go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I think anyone that anyone that tells you otherwise is wrong. But then, like, when I got Odyssey, Odyssey to me is, like, maybe the perfect video game. As far as, like, there's lots of little bite-sized chunks you can do. I, I can't think of any game that just made me smile the entire time I was playing through it the way Odyssey did. Because yeah, when I got I it, I was, going, I was, like, dealing with some, like, bad, like, you know, like, bad mental health days and this like that. I was kind of going through some shit. And it was like the thing that really revitalized me on the, like for like a whole month. And it would be like when I was feeling really down, it was the thing that would make me like smile again and kind of like, kind of got me out of a bit of a hole. Yeah. All right, Hosian, hit me with another <laughs> one. Um, I think it's another like similar situation in uh, what I was talking about earlier. But um the other game I have is uh, Shadows of the Colossus. Uh, Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah. Um, that is one of my favorite games ever made as well. And I actually recently played through the PS4 remaster, uh, and I beat it uh, like a week ago or whatever. Um, that game is amazing in how little they say things. Um, it was like a... I, 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 at this point, I still it's still been a while since I played like ocarina and stuff like that so i was like oh this must be like what a zelda game is and i was completely wrong at that point um but uh that was another one of those like secret moments for me um i remember reading in a game informer there was like a tiny little column about about this game and how like amazing and like superb it was and how much like storytelling could be told without even saying much dialogue or and all this and that and I was like, oh, okay. Well, I had like 20 bucks. And I went to Target. My mom dropped me off. And I didn't know what to get. I was like, there's no games that are $20, whatever. So I went to like the little sales section. And I saw Shadows of the Colossus there. And I was like, oh, I saw this on Game Informer. Cool. I picked it up. And not to bring my brother into this again. But he was like, oh, that game looks dumb or whatever. Um, or, you know, something along those lines. And I, and I remember, like, just putting it in. I was by myself, again, like a Metal Gear situation. It, like, hit me. And I was like, why? I wish there were people around me to, like, talk to, talk about this with. Um, but that game also hit me on an emotional level, too, where I was like, wow. Like, I've never played a game like that either, where, like, the levels are actually the bosses themselves. Like, you have to, like, climb them and, and do anything like that. So, uh, yeah, that, that game... I would say is top five of all time, and I and I can all I can always keep playing that one over and over mm-hmm. again. So I, I I like how like the puzzles are the bosses, and everything has to do with just the bosses. And when you get to the when you get to them, there's not much going on as far as like active 
but you're in this world that's like feels empty but it feels so full at the same time and you're exploring and you're going through and it's so immersive and so like capturing that like you're you're so invested in it and and uh that's one of those games again like i said i was like oh man this is like my thing and and just like 10 15 years later my brother loves the game and i'm like dude i was been trying to tell you this like way back then man like you know the the little brother or little sister thing everyone that is listening to this you know exactly what i'm talking about mm-hmm. so uh I think a lot of a lot of my favorite games or experiences have happened because it isn't something my brother's ever played. Like I think that that's kind of what shaped me. He helped me like get into gaming, but I started to like pick my own things and I was like, "Oh, like now I kind of figured out my lane, you know." Yeah, for sure. So that was another one of those like, wow, like it's crazy like I'm so used to games that are like throwing things at me or or like I have to do this or I have to do that. And this is one of those games where it's like you don't. You just get put in the game, and you don't really know what to do. But once you find it, it's like, oh, now, now this will be stuck in my head forever. Yeah, I think I I grew up in kind of a similar situation. Like my my brother is. I don't think he's like super into gaming anymore. But like he was a little bit older than me, so I kind of followed whatever his path was for a long time. And then uh, I think that's another reason why the GameCube is so important to me because I was like, oh. Like, this will be my own thing. And so, like, instead of being, like, stuck in sports game world for eternity, I was able to branch out and actually play, like, real games, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Um, I definitely... Uh, so, one of the most, like... I, I'm definitely basing this list off of what games changed me and what games, like, shaped me as a person more than anything because like i can name my top three games that i had most fun with probably any day but i had to really think about this and uh so i want to talk about braid um i i got braid uh when it originally came out like i saw a lot of people on the game and saying a lot of good things about the game and this is where indie games were first really starting to make their break into the mainstream um so i picked up braid on xbox 360 and I played it, and initially, like, it's it's got a lot of, like, jabs at older generation games. Kind of, like, has some hits of Mario in there and stuff. But um, you can run through Braid easy. The game is moderately simple, because it's one of those games where you can finish it having done 60% of the tasks. Um, like a lot of the games we've talked about. So, finish Braid, okay, I did that game. Then a little while later, I got... I wanted to go back, and it seemed like a really... there the game At the end of the game you kind of see things that are left undone. You see things that are left explored, so it makes you feel like there's more game here. There's more stuff here, and I want to find out. I want to see what the developers hid inside of this. Um, the end game, or not even just the end game, but all the stuff like you pass up because it was too difficult or wasn't immediately understandable, so you moved on because you wanted a new area. You wanted to uncover something new. You go back and do that, and the puzzles in that game are fucking exhausting to try to figure out because there's so many moving pieces of the level and you have to somehow juggle it all. You have to understand everything going on off the screen and whatnot and where it's going to go if you uh, make this change. It's insane and it's so well designed. And the reason like this had such an impact on me, the reason it has such an impact on me, did any of y'all watch the indie game, the movie? 
Oh, God, I think that might legitimately be in my top five movies of all time. Right, so um, that had the developer Jonathan Blow, uh, creator of Braid, um, on it. And I, I love that movie because it interviews, it follows Super Meat Boy, Fez, and Braid, the development processes of each of them. And all of those developers are insanely different people. They're crazy how, like, the, the different personalities they have. Um, and Jonathan Blow, like, you can immediately tell he, he's extremely reserved, he's extremely intelligent, but also he's extremely critical. And I am, like, not a lot of people, like, talking with me about certain things. A lot of people, a lot of times, wish I would just shut up, uh, probably on that E3 podcast. Like, I re-listen to that thing, and I, I'm so critical about so many things. Like, I hate the way... I'll go listen to something that was recorded that I said, and I'll be like, fuck, why did I do that? Like, why did mm. I ramble on? Why did I interrupt Hoseon every time he opened his fucking mouth? That's what I'm trying to correct now. But um, <laughs> he he's – you can tell, like, he's a perfectionist. He doesn't like – he nothing. nothing's ever just right. Like, everything needs work. Everything's this. And um, he expresses, like – how nobody, um, all the reviewers and all the people that played the game, like nobody understood what he was going for, and nobody understood the angle the uh, game was trying to meet, which sounds like an incredibly stuck up and uh, pretentious thing to say, but um, I've since followed like Jonathan Blow, like his what he's done, and uh, I follow his Twitter, and he does a lot of like speeches around the world, like he's constantly traveling around the world and giving these crazy speeches because. He, he developed The Witness, also one of the best puzzle games ever created, insanely intelligent game. Um, his games have such an under... the what, what, what I loved about Braid and what I hadn't experienced yet is that the game, it was given to you. It had a story, it had a message, but you didn't have to, you didn't have to touch it. You didn't have to listen to it. You could take one or the other, but it was there. And it just left this feeling of gloom and depression the entire time lingering about and... You knew it was there, and if you wanted to learn about it, you had to work for it. And I think a lot of games have taken um, that path since Braid. But um, Jonathan Blow, like he, he, he's he cares. You can tell that he cares. And like I, I, I tell everybody like that. Like I'm a dickhead. I'm a huge fucking asshole, and I am really like worried about where things are going and what is taking place here and there. And I might sound like I hate something, but I don't hate it. It's just that I care about it, and I want it to improve and be the best version of itself. And I think he influenced a lot of that. Um, I, I, you go and listen to these speeches he gives. He's he's Right now, he's not developing any games. He's developing a new programming language specifically catered to uh, video game programming to, to make it a lot smarter because he, he went and spoke about like how it almost looks like we're in the collapse of a civilization. And because things are getting less well put together, things are being designed with much more faults and nobody cares about these faults. Have y'all I don't I don't know if y'all built a PC or I'll have PC experience, but so many times when I've been building a PC and something goes wrong, I'll do a quick Google search for the problem or the error code and you'll get 10 forums down below that Everybody has the same problem, and you go to the support page for the company or the part that it's for, and there's a hundred responses to this person asking this question about this error code, and everybody's response is, yeah, no, this has been a problem for years, the company won't do anything about it, uh, you just have to do this, or you just have to work around it, you just have to return it. And Jonathan Blow talks about 
you know, back in the day when computers were just programming was just becoming a thing. And like uh, 10, 15, 20 years ago, there was this catchphrase, the five nine. So a program had to be like ninety nine point nine 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 percent efficient. Ninety nine point ninety nine nine percent of the time had to be efficient and work for anybody to even touch it, for anybody to care. So he decided I'm going to spend I'm going to take like a week. And he's going to count every time his computer or his program that he was using had a glitch or a fault or didn't work how it was supposed to. And he said in the first two days, he had hundreds of, like, options. And, I mean, you don't think about them because all day, like, okay, something happens on my browser. I can just close it out and restart it. Something happens on my phone. Oh, the Instagram stopped loading. Stopped the – it won't fucking open up this thing. I'm just going to close it out and do this. Why are developers, why are content creators, why are programmers settling for these glitches? And that's like, like if you told somebody, he said, like, if you told somebody, it takes hundreds of years for a civilization to collapse. But if you told somebody in the Roman Empire something that, hey, you're in the middle of a civilization, they probably look around and be like, no, everything's fine. What are you talking about? And like technology, developers, creators, programmers, all these things, our entire society is fixated around programming. Now, everything is computers and programming and computers are getting less and less smart and nobody's giving a shit. Nobody's answering the question, hey, why the fuck is everything falling apart? Everybody's just like, oh, just fix it. You know, this is an easy fix. This is an easy fix. One day it's not going to be an easy fix. And I think, like, if anybody knows me, that's who I am. That's this person that, like, nothing is right. Nothing is good. I see you can put something good in front of me, and I'll probably find something and be depressed about something that's wrong with it. That's a terrible way to live. It I don't is. talk about it with most people because... It's an awful way to fucking live. But, like, at some point, somebody's got to raise this question and hopefully try to fix things or hopefully try to better something. And um, that's why Braid means so much to me. Is uh, That's where I was introduced to this uh, basically just showing... I think, I think it gives me some kind of comfort that I see this highly intelligent person and I'm like, maybe I'm not just a fucking asshole, you know? That's fair. I think I really want to go back and play th- and try to play through that game because I remember I used to tr- I used to try to get through it on a on my old laptop and I just could not handle as soon as you're like yeah start reversing time man oh my god like, nah, dude, I don't have this incredibly difficult and it just gets harder but I will go back and try again um well to continue on the the serious note I had to like juggle with what my last game for this whole list was gonna be yeah. And uh, initially, I was like, oh, it'll probably be Sonic something, because Sonic is probably my favorite franchise. But yeah. I realized all of my reasoning would be pretty similar to what I had said about Mario stuff. So um, I think the last one for me is... I, I feel like most people don't really give a fuck about this game at all, but uh, it's another like superhero game. Like, the Ultimate Spider-Man game that came out on PS uh, on PS2? PlayStation Two. And that Xbox game is so, dude. Game. I was looking at that game today and and thinking this game is so sick. Dude, okay, so I talked about earlier how like you know like comics are like you know were always a super important thing to me. And when I was younger, it was when the Ultimate line of comics was coming out, which was like Marvel's whole attempt, like we're gonna reboot. That we're not gonna reboot the continuity. We're just gonna create this alternate universe where we kind of rejig all of these classic characters in a way that makes sense for younger people so they don't have to deal with the 40, 50, 60 years of 
old continuity that you have to deal with in Marvel. Because Marvel has been writing comics for 80 years, but they basically say that everything that ever happened in Marvel Comics all took place over, like, one 20-year time span. Mm-hmm. So they're like, you got to know it all. Um, but it didn't work that way in, in Ultimate Comics. And I, uh, and so I was, like, always enthralled with most of the early uh, things from the Ultimate Comics line, especially Ultimate Spider-Man, which most people tell you is the best thing to come out of that whole series. Um, and then the game for me, I really enjoyed it when I was a kid. Um, but I think the reason that it really, really stuck with me was number one was like when I was a kid, I didn't have like a ton of friends. Like I had a few friends here and there, but I would go to the same comic store every Saturday to play like whatever, like to play Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh! Or I would play Hero Clicks, which was like a, a miniatures game with superheroes and stuff. And I didn't really ever have anyone to hang out there because I was normally playing against adults that had a ton of money and could dominate me and everything. So comics were, like, the thing I did to, like, I would do there to pass the time and everything and to, like, and to like you know, cheer myself up when I was, like, trying to have fun with these things. But just in the end, I was never having fun and I was always pretty miserable. And um, and then, so they, they were always kind of, like, the ultimate escape for me. And they still are now, but... I kind of stopped playing games for a long time and stopped reading comics and stopped uh, doing a lot of the things that I enjoyed. And I went through like this really shitty, depressed time after uh, a really bad breakup. And I had like dropped out of a lot of the things that I had enjoyed during the course of the relationship with this person. I was like, oh, I need to grow up. I can't just sit here and be like, colorful cartoons are like the best thing in the world or like games. This now. I was like, I need to, I need to be a fucking adult. And... Um, I like got like, I was just, after that whole relationship ended, I was just always really, really distraught. I had a suicide attempt and all in this whole interim period. And I remembered one day, um, I was just like feeling just absolutely fucking like awful, very self-destructive. And I was like, I just have to like, I was like, I just have to start doing the things I enjoy again and trying to like, I think when you're depressed, like in, especially with something like that where it's not necessarily clinical. It's like, you just got to kind of fake it till you make it. Till you get, like, you had to cheer yourself up enough until you eventually kind of get past the sadness and everything. I put Ultimate Spider-Man in, and, uh, because it was just, like, the game that was the closest to wherever I was sitting wherever and started playing through it, and it just hit me with all this, like, nostalgia and, like, euphoria. Because not only is the game, I think, just really fun, like, you can spend hours just, you know, swinging around the city doing whatever the fuck you want. Um... But it just reminded me so much of, like, how important, like, these, like, very childish things are to me. And how, like, I don't give a shit if people say, like, oh, like, you can't, like, like, like there's a dude I work with that's like, you still read comics? Like, you still watch Spongebob? What's wrong with you? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, man. At least I'm smiling and I'm not complaining every fucking day. Yeah. You know? And that was, like, so, and that was, like, that day was honestly, like, the big turning point with, for me from getting out of that bad, depressive, like, self-destructive funk that i was in and i probably if it had been something different i don't know if i would have gotten out of it the mm-hmm. same way or as fast yeah it really um, made you feel like spider-man dude and that was the real thing is <laughs> i no longer wanted to die inside because i was essentially immortal because i felt i had spider powers and i was gonna grow yeah. six arms and find out i was a clone later on but then find out i wasn't the clone after mm-hmm. the third clone tried to kill me and then i was gonna get divorced to save my dead aunt it made me feel like that. Is this lore too deep for anyone else but me? <laughs> Is that Spider-Verse shit? 
that's not, that's like there's this whole thing that happened in the 90s called the clone saga okay. where there was like there's at one point literally there are thousands of clones and then you don't know who the original clone is and then eventually they wanted fucking spider-man makes literally makes a deal with the devil to he gets divorced with Mary Jane so they can bring Aunt May back to life. That's how it all ends. And all of a sudden, Yoda's, like, doing front flips and stuff, fighting at the end. It was insane. Yeah, it was a great movie. 20 out of 10. <laughs> all right, Hosey and Go, hit me with your last one. Um, this, was a, this is a tough one because I'm trying to, like, think of, you know, one that one that's, like, on a similar note to what you were saying about, like, when you were going through something or depressed or whatever um i wouldn't say mine was god of war one two and then years later three but the first two god of war games um or something in the same like vein as what you were talking about where like you were down in the hole like mentally and everything and when you played that game it like picked you up um it was the same thing that happened with me when i think you know, i was I was uh, living at home still, and my dad was overseas in Afghanistan, and my brother was in the military at the time, and he didn't live with me, so it was just me and my mom. And um, I was just depressed because, like, I didn't really, you know, my dad being in the military and all that stuff about being overseas, that, like, you know, it makes you think about things, like, every day. Um, And, you know, me and my mom, I would only see her when I'm at the house, I get back from school, whatever. So those games made me feel like, like almost forget about all that kind of stuff. And, um, I just remember being like, you know, like I don't really feel good. Or if I'm at school or something, I'm just thinking about like going home and I'm like, I want to see how far I can get in this game. All I want to do is like play God of War and kill shit. I know it sounds stupid, but it's like, I just want to fuck everything up. (laughs) And, um, I remember playing, God of War 1, I was like, yeah, this is awesome. And then moving right over to God of War 2, and it, it was so seamless and perfect. I was like, oh, I'm just like in this world now, and um, I, I didn't think about anything. And I remember like, like just like writing stuff down at school. Like, mm-hmm. oh, like, you, know, you ever play a game and you go, you're like not playing it, and you're just like writing notes down to like do when you get back to the game? Yeah. <laughs> I was like one of those first games where I was doing that. I was like, all right, when I get back, I'm going to, upgrade my blades to this and do this and it just like hit me i was like this is like the most fun adventure game i ever played at that time i could definitely Um, relate like i'd be at school and all day i'd just be like shaking thinking about how much i wanted to go play majora's mask oh yeah like i remember like writing down exactly where every like upgrade for kratos is uh like health and magic and stuff were um like down on on paper and sitting there in class just like drawing that stuff out and like thinking how cool it was um i I, I don't know um it was just one of those games that like helped me escape and like pick me back up from like a weird time in my life where i was like i feel like i'm by myself um because like my brother's gone somebody that i used to play games with all the time and um Mm -hmm. and my dad being overseas and stuff and I was like, this is where I can come back from all that shit, thinking about it at school, and just play, and just, like, it was almost like a, like a therapeutic, because, like, I'm just, like, hacking away, and just, there's no, there's nothing to it, there's just, like, fucking everything up, and, 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 
it's kind of barbaric or whatever, but that that's just one thing that uh, that I'll never forget. We're very and, barbaric species. <laughs> well, I when I played after I played two, the way it ended, I was like, God, like fuck. And then when three finally came out, um, like several years later, I got the game the day it came out. I got home from school and I beat the game in one sitting because I it it, it was just that like I needed to like keep up that mm-hmm. um that like trend or that like ritual that I had where I was like, I'm going to just run through God of War all at once and, and, um, and feel that same way I felt. And yeah, so I would say the last one for me is, is God of War one and two solely because that was going through like a weird mental time in my life. And I was in high school and, and since I had just gotten, uh, I went to four different high schools in my life growing up. So like each time I had to make new friends and the last year I was wild. Yeah, and the last year I was I graduated, I felt like that year I made no friends. Because it was just like at that point I'm in 12th grade, I don't even care anymore. Like I'm like I don't really care to make any friends with anyone. Like I've done it so many times now where I'm like I'm kind of over it. Yeah. So I just want to go home and play God of War. And that's all I thought about when I was at school. So I just sat there alone in class and like I'm, I just want to like cuz I don't know if I related to him or or something like that, but that was just one of those like things where i was like i don't really want to be here and i have i'm thinking about all this like stupid shit so i want to go home and just take it out on that game yeah i didn't get like a big social life sent from halo 2 when i was 14 years old 13 yeah 13 14 years old from then i didn't get a social life until i was much more involved in like the hardcore scene in louisiana in route 2015 2016 so for the first year to three years and no, nothing in high school high school had nothing to offer me i didn't care about people there i was i just kept to myself because um, i had everybody i wanted online on 360 uh playing halo and shit with um that that meant so much more to me and fuck one of the guys was you know uh one of my mate uh, groomsmen in the wedding you know he's one of my best friends now um definitely like you develop such attachments to these games and the people you play them with that IRL, real life, all these social interactions, that's such the norm for society. is It do, just doesn't apply to everybody. So real quick, um, honorable mentions. couple games, no real explanation or anything. Just throw them out there. What do y'all got? Honorable mentions? Fuck, man. I don't know. Uh, Sonic in general, uh, specifically Sonic Generations. And then Sonic 3 and Knuckles, those are just, uh, there's no big emotional attachment God, to any of those. Sonic just, and Knuckles. Just yeah, the cartridge that went on top, Sonic 3 could go on top of Sonic and Knuckles yeah, and merge you, the files. Yeah, you could actually Fucking put Sonic 2 on top of it too, or Sonic yeah, 1. Yeah, that's right, that's right. So you could do a lot I, I used to, as a, as a kid... As a kid, I used Who's to Who's making fucking macaroni right now? <laughs> it's Hoseon. It's always Hoseon. Is it me? Are you literally making noodles? I'm here. It sounds like someone just no. smacking a spoon. I just ate like six cookies and I muted myself just for that. But well, some six. I have nothing anyway. going on. I'm literally staring at a screen. <laughs> All right, Hoseon, What honorable mentions? Oh yeah, um, just things that like, yeah. I, I would say like the Ratchet and Clank games, um, Spyro on PS One, uh, Smash Brothers. Obviously, like I still play that to this day. Like yeah, it's kind of grown up. I've grown up with that game too. For sure, um, it's the ultimate communal game. Oh yeah, and it's the only game where I was like, I want to play this against people. Like that I never fusion I've, frenzy. I've always been. <laughs> I, and, and Fruit Ninja, yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, Farmville? 
<laughs> Mafia Wars, um, <laughs> FIFA 19. Um, NHL 94. Yep, uh, Need for Speed Classic. Uh, 8. But uh, yeah, Need so. For, uh, the first Fast and the Furious, the movie. <laughs> Truly a life changing movie. All right, mine, um, hands down, Ninja Gaiden Black and Rainbow Six Three. Oh Ninja my Gaiden god, Black that's sick. a fucking sick game. Mm-hmm. Rainbow Six Three. The god days. <laughs> well, cool. I think we've uh, we've wasted enough of the entire planet's time <laughs> with this one. We did that before we hit records. So. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's been my entire life, honestly. Yeah, almost thirty years. So, well, everyone, thanks a lot for checking us out. I hope you uh, enjoyed listening to us ramble about nothing for a little while. Check out the Espionage page. Hosing, what's going on with Espionage right now? Uh, well, I pretty much got a lot of the shipments out of the way for the last shirt I did, which was the Tekken uh, 3 and the Resident Evil 4 one. And kind of seeing what I want to do for the summer, I might just chill, honestly, and just, like, focus on other things until the fall um i kind of like taking a break from things like that after a while especially because during the summer i'm trying to do other stuff so uh who knows i mean i change my mind like any second so but you know you can find all the stuff uh on espionagevr.com if you want to check out like the back catalog of items but as far as new stuff i i have a bunch of things that i have designed and mocked up but i might wait till like way down the road to put anything out right on well you guys heard it here first there's going to be some blinks the cat time traveling cat merch uh dropping probably on thursday i got an earthworm jim beanie coming out see that would actually be cool (laughs) a a blink shirt would be death but i would buy the stupid fucking beanie. felix the cat moss shorts yeah that's it cool well i think we're gonna log off on this one thanks a lot everyone for listening we really enjoy doing this it's a lot of fun it's definitely an excuse for us three of us to just sit here and bullshit and i love that so yeah. thanks a lot uh check back soon for the next episode and we appreciate everybody yeah Yo. we're still here we appreciate the hell out of it and we want to we want to know your feedback and everything so if we sound lame or annoying or whatever you know let me know or let us know or whatever uh you can message me and be like i hate you and that'd be fine I do it quite often. Well, uh, I hate you. I personally hate I, you. I really hate Tom. Not going to lie. That's fair. That's fair. I hate Tom Nook, and I'm logging off now. <laughs> <laughs>